Good morning, church. It's great to be in the house of the Lord this morning, isn't it? Like, like Steve said, my name is Chris Stevenson. My family and I have attended Vero Christian Church for uh, the last couple of years. And like Steve said, I am his son-in-law. So let me tell you what that means, church. That means if you like the message this morning, make sure you find Steve. Tell him how blessed he is to have a, a son-in-law who can, can bring the word without having to ask for his help. But if you do not like the message this morning, do not tell me, tell Steve. Say, Steve, you should have helped your son-in-law write a better message. (laughs) So let's get into it, church. The story is told of Albert Einstein. He had to travel from Princeton a lot for work. This is in the the 40s, and um, he was traveling on a train, and as the conductor came down punching tickets, Einstein couldn't find his ticket. He looked, looked in his pockets, looked in his briefcase, couldn't find his ticket anywhere, and the conductor said, Dr. Einstein, it's okay, I know who you are. Everyone knows who you are, Dr. Einstein. Don't worry about it, I'm sure you bought a ticket. And Einstein nodded appreciatively. And uh, as the conductor went on, he was about to go into the next car, and he looked back, and he saw Einstein, the great physicist, down on his hands and knees, looking around for his ticket. And he rushed back, and he said, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, it's okay. I know who you are. You don't have to show me your ticket. And Einstein stood up, and he was kind of aggravated, and he said, young man, I, too, know who I am. What I don't know is where I am going. (laughs) Knowing knowing your destination is an important part of any journey. And knowing your destination, it changes how you journey. And if you're a guest with us at Vero Christian Church this morning, you need to know Vero, Vero Christian Church is a group of people who know who we are. We're a group of people who love God, love people, and serve others. And the reason we are this way, the reason we journey through life this way is because we know where we're going. We know our salvation is secure in Jesus Christ. And last week we heard from Scott about what it looks like to love God. And this morning I'm going to talk for just a few minutes about what it looks like to love people. I think it's fitting today is Valentine's Day and we're talking about loving people. So let's turn to John chapter 15. Now, right before Jesus dies, he sits his disciples down and he washes their feet and he tells them the type of life he wants them to live when he's no longer on the earth with them. And starting in verse 4, this is what Jesus says. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you... You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, so really fast. We know Jesus is not just talking to the disciples in the room. We know he he says later, he's talking to all disciples, all future disciples. He's talking to the church. He says, if you want to be productive, if you want to bear fruit, if you want to be a productive church for the kingdom of God, you must remain in him. So what does that look like, to remain in Jesus? He goes on to say in verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Then he goes on to say in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So Jesus says he wants us to love each other, to love people. Jesus says, if you want to stay connected to the vine, if you want to stay connected to him, the way you do that is by staying connected to the people that Jesus has called together. 
So I have four points about loving people this morning, and here's my, here's my first one. We were made to love people. We were created to love people. Have you ever, have you ever stepped back and thought about how individualistic our society has become? I was thinking about it a lot this week. Think about all the advertisements, thousands of advertisements that you see all day, every day, and they're trying to convince each person, you are the center of the universe. And if you're my age, if you're a a millennial, you grew up seeing an advertisement from the army that said you could be an army of what? An army of one. And that was a good marketing strategy for the army for a while, but they got rid of it after a few years because they realized it stood against what the army actually stood for which was working together and and teamwork to accomplish goals. They realized no one wants to fight a war alone. But the truth is, we live in a culture of individualism, and that stands against the culture of the Bible. Because the story of the Bible is all about how God is the center of everything. And And in the first few chapters of Genesis, God is creating, and as he creates, he steps back and he says, it is good. And then he reaches the pinnacle of his creation, and he creates the first man, Adam, and he steps back and he says it is very good, but there's one thing that God says is not good in the creation story. Genesis 2.18, God says it is not good for man to be alone. All right, now what's interesting to me is that this gets said before sin had entered the world. It's still paradise when God says this, but it implies that Adam was lonely. So I asked my daughter, Cora, she's six years old, what she thought the Garden of Eden was like when it was just Adam there. And she told me she thought Adam rode unicorns over rainbows while being fed grapes by panda bears. <laughs> and I didn't have the heart to tell her I didn't think it was that way. You know, Adam, Adam was in paradise, but God says there's something not right here. It's not good for man to be alone. So he makes Eve for Adam. He makes a companion for Adam. We were created, humans were created for being with people, for loving other people. So that word love that Jesus uses in John 15, that's the Greek word philia. It's the term for friendship love. All right, I know on Valentine's Day there's all this talk about romantic love, but that's not the love that Jesus is talking about in John 15. It's friendship love. He says it three times in John 15. He says, as I have friendship love with the Father, so I have befriended you and loved you. And that sounds kind of strange if you're outside of Christianity, but Christians, we believe that before anything, before the creation of the universe, there was the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and they were living in friendship with one another, knowing and loving each other. This is at the the nature of who we are. This is why it doesn't matter how individualistic our, our society becomes, Community and loving people is at the nature of who we are. In the Garden of Eden, Adam wasn't lonely because he wasn't perfect. He was lonely because he was perfect. The reason we need, the reason we need to love others is because we're not machines. We're made in the image of God, made to be like God. Humans were made to love people and to be with other people. So that's my first point this morning. My second point is this. Loving people is good for our health. Loving people is good for our health. About a decade ago, there was a guy named Robert Putnam who wrote a book called Bowling Alone, and it's about the decline of bowling leagues in America. I guess in the 50s and 60s, something like one out of every five Americans was in a bowling league, and now it's like one out of every 300 Americans is in a bowling league. 
And Robert Putnam, he, he's a social scientist. He, he, he cites some really interesting medical, medical research that shows that people who are relationally isolated are two to five times more likely to suffer from a variety of, of, of causes, stroke, heart disease, dementia, depression, anxiety, suicide. They're more likely to suffer from that each year than people who are in a community, in a, in a loving community with other people. In fact, the medical research shows that if you do nothing else, change nothing else in your life except join a small group of friends, it cuts the odds of you dying in the next 12 months in half. And I'm not making this up. Relationally isolated people even are shown to produce more mucus than people who are living in a community with other people, which is just a fun way of saying unfriendly people are snottier than friendly people. But my, my favorite saying from Robert Putnam's book is this, it is better for our health if we eat bacon with friends than broccoli alone. So when I hear all the medical research about why being in community and being loving with others is important, I think maybe Vero Christian's push to get people to join a small group should be Vero Christian, join a small group or die. <laughs> but what Robert Putnam is trying to say is that Loving people is life-giving. Loving people is life-giving. And in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, Solomon says this. He says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and can conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. So Solomon, he, he knew that loving people and being with people was good for our health. It's, it's, it's life-giving. And so obviously, because of COVID, there's a lot of people who have chosen to stay isolated right now. And that's okay. That is what those people uh, need to be doing. That's the right choice for them. But as things start to return to normal, and even if, even if they don't return all the way to normal. We need to be the type of church that invites others into our life-giving community because we know it's good for our physical health, and at church we know it's good for our spiritual health too, which is more important than our, our, our physical health. So those are our first two. We were created to love people. Loving people is good for our health. Here's my third point this morning. In the church, loving people is best exemplified in the community that we create with one another the community that we create with one another. So hear me, church. Jesus is not talking about being a member of a church who shows up for 60 minutes on Sunday morning and is very polite to everyone and then goes home for the next six days and 23 hours of the week. All right? Yes, coming to worship on Sunday mornings is, is an important part of it, but Jesus is talking about something much, much deeper than that. He's talking about being in community and being in friendships, real friendships with each other. There's a, uh, there's a comedian that I like named John Mulaney, and he says that growing up, he thought his dad had a lot of friends. But then he grew up, and he, he found out that the moms were all friends, and they just had husbands. <laughs> uh, I thought that was kind of funny. But if you're a guest here this morning, you need, to, you need to know that I think both the men and women do a good job of, uh, of creating community here at Vero Christian Church. It's a very friendly place here. But we're coming up on the, the one-year anniversary of COVID in America. It's been almost 12 months since everything started getting 
shut down. And over the last 12 months, a lot of people have said, you know what? I'm done with friends. It's too hard. It's too complicated having friends. But this morning, I'm, I'm begging you not to be that way. Jesus is begging you not to be that way. Some of my best friends in my life are friends I've made through the church. But, but church on Sunday mornings isn't the only place where our relationship materializes. Church might have been the springboard for our relationship, but it's not the only place where, where our friendship uh, materializes. Know this, church. The less we want friends, the less we want to, to love other people and have friends, the less like Jesus we are. Jesus had a close community of at least 12 people, and the gospel is full of Jesus pouring his life into his close community as an example to us. All right, Jesus is a perfect example of how serving others and being in community works in the kingdom of God. So I guarantee you, we could talk to Steve or to Scott or to Nate. They have dozens and decades of years of, of ministry experience under their belts. And they would tell us how starved people are for real community and friendship nowadays. And a lot of people, they come to church on Sunday mornings hoping to find other Christians to connect with. And we want them to find that loving community here at Vero Christian. But you mean, I mean, I, I get it. It's hard to make time for other people these days. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of work being friends sometimes. When I think about my day, I have a five-week-old baby who does not sleep right now. And it does not matter how many times I'm up in the middle of the night, my six-year-old and my three-year-old get up at 6.30 in the morning. doesn't matter what time they went to bed last night. My six- and three-year-old get up 6.30 in the morning. They're just blessed that way. And from the moment my feet hit the floor, there's kids to feed and to get, get off to, to school. And then I work from 8 to 5, and I've got deadlines to meet. And then after school, gotta, or after work, got to pick the kids up again, got to feed them again, got to get them cleaned and put the dishes away and get everyone to bed. And when all that's done, you just feel like you don't have enough time but to sit back and watch TV. <laughs> I mean, I, I like to watch The Mandalorian. My wife likes to watch HGTV. And, uh, you know, then it's like you go to bed and you do it all again the next day. And I've talked to a lot of you. A lot of you who are retired have told me, hey, in retirement, I have less time now than I did before I was retired. And I, you know, I look forward to having that challenge one day. <laughs> but some, sometimes it feels like we don't have time for friends or for loving other people. But when that happens, our, our relationships, they get thinner and thinner. So Martin Minns, he runs the All Angels Church in California. It's, uh, they do a, a homeless shelter and a food bank on Sunday mornings. And for, for the longest time, they were feeding hundreds and hundreds of people on Sunday mornings. Then Martin Minns said, you know what, we're going to cut that number down by a third. And at first, people in his church were angry about that. They said, well, we could feed so many more people. Why are we cutting it down by a third? And Martin Minns said, the reason we're doing that is because the number of people that we're feeding when we cut it down by a third is the number of people that we can befriend and, and, and feed as well. He said, I know there's lots of services that offer food. There's lots of services that are go, go, go all the time. But the way people's lives are really changed is if we bring them into community with us. He said, I know we can only, he said, I know we can feed this many, but we can only be in community with this many. So that's how many we're going to feed. This is what the church can do better than any nonprofit in the world. Right? When we say we're about loving people, it doesn't mean we're in the job of handouts. We're, we're, not, we're not in the job of, of loving people just so we can feel 
better about ourselves. We are interested in being called to community with others and loving others in the name of Jesus. We love people by the community that we create with them. So practically, we can say that you can, you can have community and you can make friends at Vero Christian Church if you do things like you know, sign up for a life group or a, or a Bible a church church group. You can sign up for a number of ministry opportunities that we're doing. You can go to any of the number of Bible studies that we have. Those are all great directions that I hope we take advantage of this week. But I want you to do something very specific this week too. I want you to pray that God will help you love other people. Then listen, because I bet God will call you. And maybe it'll be through the sound of someone else calling you. Maybe Maybe someone in your group asking for a favor. Maybe it'll be someone you just met this morning at church and they just want to get to know you and become friends with you. This is the life that Jesus is calling us toward every week as we love people day in and day out. We love people by the community that we create with them. So here's my last point this morning. Loving people in the kingdom of God is not rooted in shared hobbies or or taste in music, or sense of humor, or any earthly endeavor. Loving people in the kingdom of God is rooted in a common commitment to the kingdom of God. So most of the time today when we talk about a loving community, we talk about a relationship where people like the same things. You know, a lot of times it's liking the same thing on Facebook. You know, a sports team, a TV show, hunting, knitting, you know, any, any common interest. The Bible doesn't call that a loving community. The Bible doesn't even have a word for that type of relationship where people just like the same thing. And that's based off of chemistry in our brains when we have certain stimuli. The, the Bible is talking about something much, much deeper than that. All right, let's look at Jesus' community. Remember, Jesus had at least 12 very close friends, and two of them were a tax collector and a zealot. Now, most people in those days did not like tax collectors. They had a reputation for being very unfair. But they were especially hated by zealots. Zealots were the ones that were doing the violent protest to overthrow the government in those days. All right, a lot of tax collectors would have been on the zealots' hit list back then. These were enemies, and Jesus was calling them together. And remember, remember Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, his second letter? the Corinthians, he's, he's writing to a very, very diverse church there. There were rich people and poor people. There were slaves and slave masters. There were Jews and Gentiles. It was hard for them to get along because they didn't have anything in common. And what Paul does as he closes out his letter, the, his second letter to the Corinthians, is he calls them to remember their unity in the Spirit. It's like he says, okay, I know this is hard, I know this is complicated. I know you feel like there's all these reasons why you can't love the other people in your church. But may your church gathering reflect not the, not the reality of who likes who, not the reality of who's a Jew and who's a Gentile, not the reality of who's rich and who's poor, but may your church gathering reflect the reality of who God is and what he's calling us to do. So can you imagine what this looks like in the world we're living in today in 21st century America? A politically, racially, generationally, socioeconomically divided world? This is exactly what God's prescription is for the polarized world that we live in today. All right? I, truly, I truly believe that the local church is the hope of the world. The church is the place 
where God calls together unlikely people to love one another for the sake of the kingdom of God. Practically speaking, here's what that means. Let's say you're a hipster. That's okay. You can still be a hipster. You can keep dressing like your grandparents, only with irony. You can, you can still be a hipster, but because of Jesus, that's not your primary identity anymore, all right? You are Christian first. That means you can be, that means you can be friends with the, the athlete who can bench press 600 pounds or the mathlete who can hardly lift a calculator. You can be friends with the cowboy or the Dallas cowboy fan, or the 97-year-old lady who sits next to you at church on Sunday who has 16 grandkids. Because there is a bond that Christians have that you will not find anywhere else in society today. We are Christians first. So this means we're not defined by our education. We are not defined by our race or our country of origin. It doesn't matter if you went through World War II or Vietnam or the Great Depression. It doesn't matter what your job is, how much money you have, even if you like the same things, or even if you voted the same way. These things may help identify you, but they do not come close to being who you are. We are Christians first, and nothing else comes close to who we are over that. And you might think that sounds impossible, but that's the miracle of the church. In John 15, when Jesus says, ask what you will in my name and I will grant it to you. He's not talking about asking for a mansion or a Corvette and getting one. He's talking about this. He's saying the Holy Spirit can make us the type of people who can love people, even people we might not have anything in common with. There's all kinds of reasons why loving other people is hard in, in, the, in the day and age that we're living in. And, but this is what God is calling us to do every single week at Vera Christian Church, but not just on Sundays, every day of our lives. If you remember anything else from my sermon this morning, please remember this. Christ defeated death so he could dwell among us daily, every single day. So this week, Vera Christian Church's prayer is not that you were blessed by a 60-minute church service, although we hope you, you were, and we're certainly very glad that you came. But this week, our prayer is that you choose to see Jesus, to hear him, and to recognize him, and to appreciate him as you go about the busyness of your week. And may we choose to love God, love people, and serve others. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you so much for the Vera Christian Church and the people here and the heart that these people have for you, God. And I just ask that as we we go about the busyness of our week, God, that we, we take time to remember that loving you means that we love others. And it doesn't matter in the church, God, about so many different things, you know, jobs or money or anything, God. We know we love other people because we have a shared commitment to you. And I just ask that you, you impress that upon our hearts this, this morning, God, as we go throughout our week this week. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.